0: Hello, networkers, and happy Monday morning to all of you, and welcome to another hour of the podcast hour with your coach, Molly Kreese. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Shauna Kay, and she is an international motivational speaker. She's a coach. She's a number one Amazon best-selling author. She's an attorney at law, and she's also a human human services professional so i'm going to let shauna k introduce herself to you and tell you a little bit about herself and also tell you uh give you a networking story and we would start from there go ahead shauna k
1: hi good morning everyone and uh, thank you so much for having me molly i really appreciate this opportunity where do i start I mean, telling you about myself is such such a hard question to answer, as easy as it may sound, because you could pick any facet and talk about it. But what I will say is that for as long as I can remember, I've been passionate about helping people. And so I've always been cognizant of looking for opportunities that will help me to develop my skills and develop myself in order that I'll be of value to other people. So when I I hear that question, that's the first thing that comes to mind. I have dabbled in a lot of different things, as you can see from what uh, Molly just said about me. But right now, I am working in the human services field, and so I am able to help a lot of people. And gratefully, I also have the opportunity to participate in a lot of different networking opportunities. And that is really good actually, because you recognize that in order for you to matriculate through different positions, it is inevitable that you're going to have to interact with other people and you will meet people. And sometimes you have to intentionally align yourself with other people in order to get to the next level. In terms of my networking story, I have had a lot of different opportunities to network and they've been beneficial. One of the things that I've realized about networking is that it's a mutually beneficial experience. And in 2017, I joined the LIU Brooklyn Toastmasters Club. And initially when I went there, my thought process was to develop myself as a speaker, to develop my speaking abilities. However, I realized that Toastmasters turned out to be a great networking ground Because in terms of my story, I have gotten so many different opportunities from being a part of Brooklyn LIU Toastmasters and developing and honing my skills over the years, I've been able to speak at different events because of connections that I've made through this club and people seeing something in me. I was able to give back some of the opportunities, volunteer, but that's okay because I was able to impart to people because of the connections I made there. So that's one networking story that I always share, because I meet people all the time who ask me, how did you learn to become a good speaker? How did you develop your speaking skills? And I'm able to point them to to Toastmasters. Some of them don't realize that it's not just a place to develop your skills, but also to meet people and grow and help to develop the lives of, of others as you develop yours.
0: Yes great story. It's all about networking. It's all about giving, mutually beneficial relationships. So today we are going to be talking about rooms. And no, I know what you're thinking. We're not talking about the locker room, your your bedroom, your living room, not that kind of a room. So I'm going to let Shanake get into it. What are we talking about with rooms? We're talking about uh, the topic is your presence in the room. And I'm going to let Shanake take it away to let us know what's up with these rooms. Go ahead, Shanake.
1: I find rooms to be such an interesting topic because a part of networking is being able to find yourself in the right rooms at the right time and making your presence be felt in those rooms. And as a student of Leader School with Dr. Matthew Stevenson, one of the things that he reminds us of very often is that the room matters and who is in the room and how you position yourself in that room also matters. And one of the reasons why sometimes we do not get certain opportunities is because we're not in the right room. We're not around the right person. And by room, like Molly said, it's not the locker room or a room in your house, (laughs) but finding yourself among the right people or in the right circles, in order for you to advance to different positions and get different opportunities. Now, Seneca says that success is where preparation meets opportunity. A part of our preparation process as we go through life and, and grow through different um, stages of our lives is being prepared. And a part of that preparation is aligning ourselves with like-minded people, aligning ourselves with people or doing the things that we aspire to do And aligning ourselves with people who are going somewhere and who are intentional about where they're going. And so this topic of room, it fascinates me because I am reminded that we have to be sensitive to opportunities and putting ourselves in certain places as we embark on this leadership journey.
0: Yes. So we're talking about your, your presence in the room. So how do you How do you prepare yourself to to, to get in the room? Because you don't just open the door and get in. So what preparations are necessary uh, to get you in to the room?
1: Oh, thank you for that question, Molly. That is something that I know a lot of people would be asking when they hear you talking about room. And preparation to get yourself in the right room spans a wide gamut of things. But one thing I will say is that a big part of it is education. You have to educate yourself about the things that interest you. Because it's one thing to get in the room. But even if you are so fortunate to get into a room, if you're not prepared to interact in that room, um, to, to basically be able to bounce ideas and share information with the people in that room if you're not prepared in terms of information that you have honed and that you have garnered for yourself you're still going to be ineffective so what this is essentially saying molly is that getting into the room is not enough you have to be able to you have to be prepared to operate what, once you're in that space so the preparation first of all in terms of getting into the room is basically acquiring the requisite knowledge in order that people will see you and recognize you as a person of competence, recognize you as a person who is credible because of what they know that you know. How they know this is by putting yourself out there. We're in the age of social media, and gratefully, a lot of those platforms are free. You can put yourself out there without having to pay. So you cannot say the lack of financial resources is an inhibiting factor because you can put yourself on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, any one of those platforms and let people know how you think and let people see what it is that you have to offer. Maybe you're an introvert. A lot of people use that as a reason. And in some instances, as an excuse as to not put themselves out there. But the only way people are going to know if you exist is if you put yourself out there one way or another, whether you're going to write a blog or make your your presence visible in terms of your voice, then you you have to find a way to do that. But the bottom line is educating yourself on different subject matters that are of import to you or of interest to you. That's the first step to becoming prepared to get into these rooms. And then another step is being intentional about reaching out to people and understanding the fact that for every 100 people you may reach out to, maybe two of them might get back to you. And that is okay. But you have to let people know that you are interested because it is highly unlikely that someone is just going to know you exist and come knocking on your door and say, hey, Shauna Kay, here's an opportunity to manifest it it doesn't work like that. A part of preparation is being intentional.
0: Yes. I always talk about being intentional because you definitely have to be intentional, deliberate and strategic in your actions. Um, let's talk about, well, in the United States, I know we're from the Caribbean, I'm from St. Vincent, you're from Jamaica. So um, the culture and of things is different and sometimes not so different. But in, in the US, uh, being a black woman in the US and t- trying to get yourself in the room and to accomplish certain things can pose uh, very difficult. So what are some of the challenges that you've faced? Uh, trying to get yourself in those rooms, and, and how do you overcome those overcome those challenges? Because I'm sure our listeners are saying, Uh, It's easy for you to say it talking about getting in the room, but then there are so many uh, hoops you have to jump through to actually get there.
1: That's a very interesting question, Molly, because um, there are so many factors that a person can point to that would serve as a deterrent or as an inhibition to get to another level, to get into a room, since that's what we're talking about. And I must say that when I first came here, I had a very, I could say, negative purview of how things would play out. And one of the things that I was telling myself was that, one, it's going, these things are going to work against me. There are strikes. I used, to, I used to actually verbalize that these are strikes against me. I'm Black. I'm from the Caribbean. And I'm a woman. And there's that rhetoric that, you know, Caribbean people come and take people's jobs so people react to them a certain way. So I had that mindset. And I believe that there were times when I would knock on doors and they would be closed in my face. And I was not used to that because coming from Jamaica, I would always pride myself into never being turned away whenever I had an interview, because up until that time, every door I knocked on for an interview, I would get a call back. And of course, again, like I said before, it takes intentionality and preparation. When I came here, the experience was a little different. And some people who know my story know that even though I came here from, I've graduated law school and I came to America, when you're making that transition, you don't just walk into a law firm and start working. So the first opportunity available to me was um, to work as a server in a restaurant. Yes, (laughs) I made good money too, but that's not what we're talking about. I worked as a server and I was there and, you know, I was being, my, my mind was saying it's time to move on. And I was just there, I was making good money and I felt like I could just stay a little longer until certain things worked out and I got fired. And in that situation, I felt like I was not dealt with fairly. It was a very unfair situation, which I won't get into the details of it, but I feel like that was one of the challenges I faced. I felt like I didn't have a voice because when I tried to basically justify why I did what I did and and why it wasn't justified for them to let me go, they didn't want to hear. The, the, the argument was that I've already been told by the other person and I'm satisfied with that. And so I felt like the strikes against me were operating at that time. And that's why I was being turned away in this way. When I left the restaurant, I couldn't find a reasonable job. I ended up working in a nightclub. Me, like I've never even been to a nightclub before, but that's what was available and I took it. But what I have to say, I mean, that's one of the challenges that I can remember right now that I faced that I've, I was basically able to um, attribute to the so-called strikes. But what I will say is that things started to change when I started to change my mindset. I said to myself, you know what, are these things really strikes against me or is it a matter of perspective or perception? And if a door closes in my face, does that mean I should go sit down and say it's not going to work because one door closed? Even people who don't have these so-called strikes get doors closed in their faces every day. And so you have to develop a mindset of resilience and a mindset or an understanding that every no brings you closer to a yes. And so I had to intentionally change my mindset and said, I am black, so they're going to want me because I am black and not necessarily because of affirmative action. And I also had to say that I am a young black woman. I'm a woman and there are spaces for women in this day and age. And I had to say that I am from the Caribbean and I have a beautiful accent and someone will be attracted just because of the accent and want to hear more (laughs) because when I was working in the the restaurant, so many people would ask me, where are you from? And I would tell them and they would engage in conversation because they liked my accent. And this was, believe it or not, a form of networking. Because the job I have now, how I got into the organization was through someone I met in the restaurant, an older gentleman. He met me and he just always talked about how I presented myself. And whenever I served him, he would give me a good tip. And then he would just tell me every day, you know, why are you here? He would ask me, why are you here? You need to get out. And one day he said, give me your resume. And I gave it to him and forgot about it. And two years later, after they let me go from the restaurant and, you know, you go in the reservoir of your mind and you're trying to remember, what can I tap into? I remembered him, reached out to this gentleman, and this was set in motion. So the point I'm making is that even the very things that we perceive as strikes, you can change your mindset to view them different. And it doesn't mean that because you change your mindset, things are just going to magically change and doors will start opening. But your mindset has a lot to do with how you will show up. Because if you're confident and you're walking in the confidence of your blackness, your womanhood and your accent, then somebody somewhere will see it in the Chinese language. um, Crisis means opportunity. So we have to start thinking about those same things that we perceive as strikes as actual opportunities. And if they don't want to give you a seat at the table, make your own table. You get to invite who you want to invite when you do that. (laughs)
0: So uh, you said a whole word right there, a lot of powerful things right there. I want to go back a little bit at you having to take that waitressing job, because I've gone through that space as well, where I came out of school with all my degrees and taught that I was going to automatically get in the room and have a seat at the table. And reality slapped me in the face. And I worked at I worked at a a shoe store. I remember working in a, a nightclub as well as a, a coat check, a coat check girl and uh, and all those different jobs. But like you said, changing your mindset and looking at these things, you taking those jobs, it kind of, I would say for me personally, it kind of molded me into being the kind of person that I am today. Because I always say in networking, when you're networking with people, you don't discriminate and you don't say, okay, well, I'm too good for this and I'm too good for that because you never know what you're being prepared for. And so I am so careful not to put things aside or to say, why am I going through this? Because like you said, when we have that negative mindset, then we are going to remain in that negative space all the time. So let's, 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 let's dive a little deeper into that because uh, there might be a lot of people out there and my listeners who are saying, okay, well, I'm not working right now, or I had to, I had to take a pay cut or I had to pivot. And the job I'm, I have now, it doesn't even match my qualifications and all that stuff. What, what, what would you say to these people? Because they're like, I should be I should be at the table already. I should be in the room already. Why am I having to pick up crumbs before getting into the room? Well, you know, Molly, you've said so
1: much and it's there's so many things I could say to such people mainly because I have been in that situation. Even today there are times when I come across people and they will say, "Miss Brown, what are you doing here?" at the job where I work and they would say you should be in this place and you should be in that place and you're always going to get that especially when you're intentional about developing yourself and learning new things and acquiring new educational accolades you're always going to feel as though you're either one step behind or premature or no sorry um, you're behind in your career or your leadership journey But one thing you cannot do is allow those things to deter you from continuing to develop yourself. And what you have to also understand as leaders is that introspection and self-assessment is mandatory. Every time you grow, for every time you reach another me in your leadership journey, you have to constantly assess yourself. Is this where I want to be? Is this where I desire to be five years ago? What, can I need to, what do I need to do to get to the next level? Who do I need to align myself with? And I believe that more often than not, people who are asking those questions or people who are concerned about not being in the right rooms at this juncture in their life, if they were to do an honest assessment of where they are right now, they're not networking enough. And I've, I can say that not in a way that I'm judging them, but in a way that I have come to that juncture in my life so many different times. And when I did that authentic, honest assessment, I realized that my circle was not big enough. I realized that I was not aligning myself with the right people and the like-minded people who can get me to the next level, because we all need people. You understand? We all need other people. We can't do it by ourselves. And, And a lot of people have that mindset that I need to do it by myself so I can make. I can say at the end of it that I'm a self-made leader. Mm-hmm. I'm a self-made millionaire. I believe that the whole self-made thing is so overplayed. <laughs> and <laughs> it is such a gross exaggeration of reality. Because even though you may feel like you did it yourself, if someone had to give you a job to make some money to pay for it, you did not do it yourself. An opportunity was created for you. You may have done the work, but somebody created that work for you to do. So the point is that we should get out of the self made this and the self this, because it is, it is rarely an exercise in egoism and an egotistical behavior and mindset. And that's not going to help you. So you have to realize that if you make that honest assessment and you say that you're not in the right room, you're not where you're supposed to be, check your network and see if you're really, if you if you stretch yourself enough, and networking is not only about aligning yourself with the people who are doing what you want to do or the people in your particular career sphere. You have to network with people from all over and from all levels because the person who cut your lawn may know somebody who knows somebody. So don't develop a mindset that because you have reached a certain, a, a certain zenith in your leadership life and journey that you're, certain people are beneath you. Because your gardener may very well be the gardener for the CEO of the company that you want to get into. And and the CEO may respect that gardener that he has had for 20 years. And, And if he says, hey, you know, I know this lady who is really doing very well and all she needs is a break. And he may say, okay, you can introduce me to her. I can't promise anything. But the point is that you don't disregard anybody. You don't think yourself better than anybody. Value your relationships and do not waste time with people who are not going anywhere. People who are watching other people fulfill their dreams, spending hours and end in front of the television. And I'm not judging, but I'm just saying that you have to align yourself with intentional people because this is going to expose you to other opportunities.
0: Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about that. Surrounding yourself with, with positive people and with the right people, because uh as, as easy as it sounds and as easy as it say, as it's, we say, there's an art to it and there's a strategy to it. And uh, my grandmother used to say, not, all, not everybody that comes into your life is going to stay there. Some people come into your life for a season and, and then they leave. And you have to be able to recognize who those people are, who are your short-term people and who are your long-term people. So how do, how, do you, how do you figure that out? How do you go about uh, navigating and realizing that, yes, you have, to, you have to surround yourself with those people. You have to build your tribe. But how do you decipher that? These people that are short-term and these people that are long-term.
1: Okay, so it's not always easy to decipher who is short-term and who is long-term, even though that is a practical thing to do. Um, you realize that sometimes you spend so much time with somebody who you think this relationship or this connection was going somewhere. And then you start beating yourself up at the end of it because you feel like you wasted so much time. So it is not always a clear cut thing. But one thing that that always resonates with me and I always remember is that I believe it was Jack Canfield who wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul. He says that success leaves clues. And so As you're looking to develop yourself in your particular career field or profession, you're looking at people who have done what you want to do or people who are doing and doing well what it is that you want to do. And so because success leaves clues, it behooves you to try to align yourself with such people. And as you align yourself with different people, sometimes as you develop that relationship, you realize that it is not what I thought it was you have to be real, willing and ready to get up and move away from those situations. So I think that one of the major ways to be able to um, decipher who is there for the short term and who is there for the long term is that constant assessment of who you're around. And, and I don't necessarily mean overt assessment, but you know when you go back home and you sit down to sort of go over your day and plan for the next day, you have to really be able to compartmentalize and look how these people are impacting your life. And not in a selfish way, like as a taker, because it's not, you know, networking is not about taking all the time, it's about striking that balance, it's exchange of information. But if you are with these people who are always coming to you for answers, it's good that people will feel you are credible enough to come to you for answers, but it's going to be draining after a while. You understand? If you are the smartest one in your group or in the room, find a new room. (laughs) Yeah, you have outgrown that room. So that's one of the ways to sort of analyze these people in your life to see if it's time to move on. That's one way to separate the short term from the long term. You're not learning anything from these people. You're not growing from these relationships anymore. They're, They're draining you negative non-affirming relationships will drain you. You're there talking to them every day and all they want to do is talk about other people and things that will not advance neither you nor them. This is a way to pull yourself away from those people because maybe in the beginning things were going well and they talked a good talk, but now you're realizing that, okay, I've outgrown this relationship and I need to look for other circles to find myself in. So I think that the bottom line is that constant assessment
0: Yes, most, most definitely. Another thing too, is that I, I remember someone said, if you, if you want to be rich, surround yourself with rich people and find out how they, how they did it and, and, and what happened. A lot of times too, we want to get to point A before conquering point B. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you can't, you can't jump the gun As some of us, we want to, we want to cheat. We want to get there and, and not work for it, not go down in the trenches for it. And it, a lot of times you see, uh, you admire these people that you want to be like, or you want to uh, be in the same field or genre as they are. And you, and you look at it and you're like, I can do that. But sit down and listen to these people's stories and hear what they actually went through to actually get to that point where they are in their, in their career and in their professional lives. And you will realize that they had to work really hard for it. I always talk about the the process of a diamond. When When you look at that process before it's even a shining, sparkling diamond that you want to put it in a ring or in a chain or whatever you want to do with it, it doesn't look like that at all. It looks ugly. It's filthy. There's a lot of different stages and steps it has to go through before it gets to that diamond stage. And so a lot of times we don't want to, we don't want to go through those stages and we want to just be successful right away without actually taking the steps to get there to that success. Yes. <laughs> uh another thing I wanted to add, uh, is is money a factor in getting into the room? Oh yes. Money is
1: a factor. Money is a huge factor in getting into the rooms. But as you view money as a factor. You also have to tie that in again with mindset. I say this because I grew up in a household where I had a mother who didn't even realize it and I didn't realize it growing up, but I certainly do now. She had a mindset of lack and it's not because she was a bad person. This was probably just based on culture and upbringing. And because we grew up very poor, Anytime you went to her to ask her about anything that would cost money, her first response would be, I don't have it. But then I would watch that same mother do everything in her power to try to make it happen. But that was always her first reaction because you cannot readily see the resources in front of your eyes that you can tap into. And so an opportunity may come and you're, you just write it off because you don't have the resources for yourself right now to do it. And so from that mindset, money is a factor. But there are people like um, Robert Kiyosaki who believe in using other people's money. They call it OPM. So even though you may not have the money, depending on your credit or depending on your circle, again, there may very well be other people who are so invested or so vested in your idea that they're willing to invest in you. But outside of that, failing all of that, uh, people who know me know that I am an avid reader and I always, I'm going to recommend books because books have been my mentors and coaches for such a long time. And this is a less expensive way of sort of helping to build your, your, um, information, um, reservoir. And, you know, I said earlier that success leaves clues. A lot of these people who are successful in doing the things that you want to do, the things that you aspire to do, they have written their stories in books. And some of these books are actually step-by-step guides to do different things and so you can start there because as you expand your knowledge base you're able to see resources that you can tap into that you probably did not know about before because you were only assessing things just from how much money you have in the bank you may realize that there are other ways to go about the thing that you're interested in that cost less than you thought and so while money may be a real factor for some people There are ways around that. And there are times when because of the lack of the the financial resources right now, it may take you a little longer. And that is why it is so important to not just see the glory of the person who is doing well and doing great things, but also following that story. Because a lot of times we may see someone who is doing what it is that you want to do. And you say, man, I wish I was like this person. I wish I was like Les Brown. I love Les Brown. He's a motivational speaker and one of the one one of the speakers I follow for a very long, I've followed for a very long time, but if you listen to him, he tells his story over and over and over. First of all, it took him 14 years to even believe he could do it. So let's just start there before we even talk about money. Just even the belief and and the conviction and the assurance that he could do it. So then, after overcoming that barrier, that major barrier, then he had to face the fact that he was a poor guy who didn't have resources, but what he had was stern pertinacity and, and that, and that um, resilience to keep going even when people were saying no. So again, it comes back to what we're talking about, Mali, networking. Having the right people in your circle, you may not have the resources, but because you have aligned yourself with the right people, they expose you to opportunities or they may believe in your um, ideas so much that they're willing to invest in you.
0: So yeah, that is, that is a, very, a very good point. So now you've you've done all the work you've you put yourself out there you've taken the necessary steps to to get your foot in the door or to get in the room so to speak you're now in the room but you're not at the table yet you're you're in the corner maybe maybe you're in the room and you're uh you're serving coffee or or you're you're the assistant to the big guy uh how do you, how do you uh get from that step to actually being at the table and making those decisions with the best of the best and the biggest of the biggest. So while you're in the room, you're still not doing what you want to do in the room. But what should you be doing while you're in the room?
1: Oh, that's so interesting. I should (laughs) ask that, you know, I love Dr. Matthew Stevenson and I reference him a lot, you know, when I get these opportunities because he has so much knowledge And one of the things that he says is that you have to be willing to be a fly on the wall. (laughs) You have to be willing (laughs) to be that unnoticed observer in particular situations. And so even though you may be in the room, but you're not in there in that capacity to be able to even approach that table or approach a person that you want to talk to. But sometimes it's observing how they operate and observing who they're connected to may help you to eventually get in the room. So maybe that's not the day or the time to get in the room. Maybe being a fly on the wall will help you to garner the knowledge and I referenced education earlier. It's not necessarily formal education, like going to school and getting a certificate or getting a degree, that's important, of course. I would never scoff at that, I have those, but education in terms of learning things because one of the things that Dr. Matthew Stevenson says is that in your life, you're going to be in rooms forever. Because as we have been discussing, the rooms span a whole gamut. It could be intentional ro- conference rooms or rooms where you're learning workshops, things like that. Or it could just be you're ha- you happen to be the waiter in the room where they're having a conference meeting where the dignitaries are. It's still an important room. And what he says is that in these rooms, either you're going to be making decisions, building relationships, understanding things or learning things. So you at that time, you may be in that room to understand things, to be a fly on the wall and observe things. But as you observe how things operate, you're not going to just take what you learn and just sit down and say, oh, well, you know, this is not, you know, these people are about out of my league or they're above me. I'll never be able to interact with them. But take what you learn and use that to inform how you proceed. Sometimes you have to be bold enough to, follow, to to walk up to that person and say hello. And they may brush you off or they may actually give you the time of day, give you a minute or two to say something and make your pitch. And so what I would say, one of the things is that you have to have a pitch ready. You have to have a pitch ready <laughs> Whether it is an interview pitch, some people call it the elevator pitch, you have to have a pitch ready. Because like I said earlier, success is where um, preparation meets opportunity. So if you don't have a pitch ready, when that opportunity comes, you're going to be standing there with your mouth open and nothing coming out because you don't have a pitch. So I think that's a good place to start.
0: (laughs) Yes. And while you were talking, I I, re- I wrote something down here. Uh, one does not discount the other. So you might be a waiter in the in the dignitary room, but you're not a dignitary at the table. I, I one does not discount the other because then you have to realize that might not be the right room for you. You might be in the room to learn how to build your own room. <laughs> yes and so many times we don't realize that we focus on wanting to be in the room and be part of the room and we don't realize that we're being set up so that we learn so that we build our own room and affect change on our own end so so Mm -hmm. let's talk about that yes
1: that's so I'm so glad that you raised that because it's so true. And because your desire is to be at the table, to be one of the dignitaries, it's like you can't see that there is a process behind that. And like you said, you're probably not in the room to be around that table at that particular time or ever, but it could be that it's it's an opportunity for you to learn, to build your own table. And I remember one time les brown talked about his mother his adopted mother working for these rich people in miami and he would go with her and he said that he would go into the room where this man is his task was to help her so he's supposed to be dusting and cleaning in this room and he would just not do a good job and the guy would scream and say you didn't do a good job and come back and do it and he would say, yes, sir, in a very humble way and go back and do it. But what that gentleman didn't know was that those motivational tapes that he was listening to, um, Les Brown found them very fascinating. And so he felt like the more time he spent in the room was the more nuggets he could pick up, but he was just there to dust. This gentleman did not know that he was learning from the tapes that he was playing and was giving himself an excuse to be in the room. And so that waiter, I mean, business people have to eat too, but we're not talking about that because you are not trying to develop your skills as a great waiter per se. But you have to recognize the fact that sometimes you're placed in opportunities, like you said, Molly, just to learn and to grow. And we learn in different ways, whether we're invited to a space for a reason that we want to be there or for another reason, we have to recognize the opportunities to learn in these situations Just like when you face adverse adversity and you may say, why me? You said that at the beginning, but why not you? You know, James Allen says adversity introduces a man to himself. So even when you face the adverse situations, you're understanding that this is an opportunity to learn and to grow. So even though you may not have a seat at the table, as you are learning, maybe you may be prompted, or you may have the urge to go and research this guy that stands out to you because of what he's saying or how he showed up or how he's dressed. And then in doing your research and your sleuthing, you come upon information that, well, if he can do it, I can do it too. Because you realize that 20 years ago, he was in an even less fortunate situation than you're in right now. But the question is, are you willing to wait 20 years? Because a lot of people want what they want and they want it right now. But like you said, there is a process mm-hmm. and a part of growth and networking and expanding is appreciating that you cannot avoid the process. You cannot avert the process. And even if you could, you have to be careful about that. Because if you try to avoid the process and you get into the room and you get to the table, you may not have anything to offer because you're not prepared. Exactly. Exactly. So do not discount the process. It is so much more
0: significant than the opportunity. Exactly. And another thing too is there, there might be different parts to that same destination. Yes. Because I, uh, I remember going to LIU and uh, joining the, the National Black MBA student chapter there. And I did not know I was being set up for anything. I just wanted to volunteer. I just wanted to give back knowledge and experience that I've learned myself to give it onto other students so that they would not make the same mistakes I've made. So I started being a mentor. I started going every evening, every Friday evening uh, to the city. Uh, at that time, it was at AXA in, in in Manhattan, and we would mentor the high school students and all that stuff. And as I as I was mentoring, I, I moved from being a team mentor to being a lead mentor. And from being that lead mentor, uh, you started to affect lives. And, and you would see that these, these kids that you're mentoring, the, the, the strides that they've made from the inception of the program to the end of the program. And that alone would give me a good feeling. It would make me feel like, okay, I'm doing something right. I'm doing something. Never did I thought from me doing that and from me doing that deliberate work and and having the passion to affect other people's lives and stuff that it would it would propel me into a position to be the director for that very same program that I joined as a mentor and mm-hmm. then and then also to be on the the actual board of the National Black MBA New York chapter which means I'm in the room now to make decisions with the president and all that stuff. So I, I give that example to say this: there are different parts to getting your foot than to getting your seat at the table and being in the room. Sometimes you have to, sometimes you have to volunteer. Sometimes you have to do things that you might not want to do or just be genuine in your in your actions and people will see that potential, that leadership ability in you. And, and that alone will get you in the room without you even asking to be in the room. Cause I, I, I was not asking to be in the room. I know, I just knew that I was going to mentor and to change some lives. And so automatically by me, Doing those actions, it got me in the room. Yes. So, so there there are different 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 paths to take, and you can't be afraid to when when that opportunity presents itself to to take that take that opportunity. And it's it's all about seeing it as well, and it goes back to mindset, because if mm-hmm. you're still in that negative space, then you're not going to realize the opportunity. That's right in front of you to take advantage of it. That's true. That is so true. Um, so I'm in the room. I'm in the room. I'm not, I'm not waitressing or anything, but I'm in the room, I'm sitting at the table, and it's time for this decision making. It's time for me to show them who I am. How, how, how do I do that?
1: Well, (laughs) there's so many ways to do that. You know, one of the things is that you cannot chicken out, but understand that before you even got there, you you have done your homework. That's what got you there. You prepared. So now you're at the right place. Again, mindset kicks in. Do you believe you belong there? Because if you don't believe you belong in the room, you cannot show up in your best self because you don't believe you belong there. And that can be an issue as well. So as we're seeking all these opportunities and seeking to get into these different rooms, first of all, you have to develop a mindset that you belong and that what you have to offer is valid. I remember a student reached out to me earlier this week and one of the things that she says that she struggles with is that when she has to present, and this is a master's student, when she has to present, um, she feels so afraid and she freezes up because she feels like she's not smart enough Mm or that the people in the room know more than she does. So she doesn't believe that her contribution is valid. And she wanted some help with that. And I said to her, first of all, you have to recognize the fact that people are people. And it is okay to not know, but don't say you don't know. Say, may I get back to you on that? And I gave her some pointers, but one of the things I told her was this, you may think they know more than you, but what I found in my own life is that sometimes they don't know as much as I think they do. And they may know more than you on this subject, but when it comes to the the art of tying a shoe, if there's such an art, (laughs) nobody could do it like you. So you are always going to be more knowledgeable than someone in a particular situation, but you have to be able to recognize what it is that you need to know. And so, first of all, you get around that table. How do you show up? You ask me, you do your best. But what if after that, when you do your your assessment, you feel like you didn't leave it all on the table? You cannot have regrets. You cannot spend time moping over what was because that's in the past. But what are you going to do now to make sure that the next time you're in a room, you can show up in the way that will make you feel like you have left it all on the table? And there is a book by Bob Berg and John David Mann. It's called The Go-Giver. And when I read that book many years ago, it changed my perspective about how I show up. Because a lot of us, we grow up in this Western society where we are taught to be go-getters. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. But you know, growing up, your parents, say, go to school, Shauna, get an education, yeah. get, get um, good grades so that you can get scholarships. You know, I don't have any money. Get good opportunities, get, get, get. And you're taught how to get. So some people naturally morph into becoming takers And you're always looking for opportunities in which you you have an advantage you can always get. But what are you giving? Uh In the book, they talk about becoming a person of value and being intentional about giving value. If you're intentional about giving value all the time, then there is no way you're going to find yourself in that room, at that table, and not knowing what to do. Because your intention there is to give value. And to believe wholeheartedly that the people who are there can receive value from you. You know, Dr. Miles Monroe says, don't aim to become a person of interest or an interesting person. Aim to become a person of value because when you're a person of value, people will pay to see you or hear you. People will pay for what you have to offer. You referenced a diamond earlier and people will pay for diamond. Why? Because they consider it to be a valuable stone. hmm so you have to be intentional about becoming a person of value so that when you find yourself in that room, you have one intention and one intention only,
0: to give value. Ooh, I feel like I was just in church, y'all. I, I, hope, everyone is getting, I hope everyone is getting this message. Uh, this is so good. I'm thinking we might have to do part two today, because there is so many different facets to talk about. We talk about all the time about getting our seat at the table and being at the table and being in the table, even as a, a, a Black woman, being at the table. And, and you talk about it, confidence in self is so important because if you show up confident and you show up valuable, the others around the table, they have no choice but to listen. They have no choice but to see that value in you. Even if even if deep down inside you're scared and and, and, and you're clutching your pearls, you having that confidence is, is, is beyond because they're going to be like, oh, so she got this, huh? You know, and uh, uh, you might be, you might even be the only, the only black woman at the table of white men True. Sh- show up and show out, show them who you are. So they know that they have to respect this one black woman at the table. And and we're seeing that a lot now uh, that's going on now. We see a lot of women are uh, becoming CEOs, the first black woman to be CEO of this and CEO of that. And I'm sure that they're in the room now and they're flexing their muscles because they're mm-hmm. like, I am here and I am here to stay. A- and that's the confidence you have to go with when you when you finally have done all the work and you've 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 and and for the black community, whether it be a black man or a black woman, we have to work 10 times harder to, to get ourselves in the room and to get that respect of being in the room. So when we get there, it's important for us to uphold that value and that confidence and, and maintain our stance in the room. Because you're in the room, you're making decisions, but what about maintainers? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's
1: a good question what about maintenance because you could make all these big decisions and when you leave the room you may just feel drained because you know that you have to go back out there again and build up that same momentum to get into the next room because of maybe perception but like you rightly said confidence and assurance not pridefulness but confidence makes a big difference you have to let people believe that you believe that you belong in that room. Because if you're timid, you could have a wealth of information. You could know more than all of them. But if you're timid, in their minds, that will be confirmation that you don't belong. So you have to believe that you belong in that room, but at the same time, and I know I reference Dr. Matthew Stevens a lot, but that's because he has so much to say on this topic of rooms and I, and I listen to him and, and I believe wholeheartedly most of what he says. One of the things that he says is that you have to respect the room. You have to respect the room that you're in. So you might be going in there with this myopic purview that I am this one black woman in this room of the sea of white men. And so this is the only issue that you're focusing on. But you still have to respect the room and respect the roles of the people in this room, respect the accomplishments of the other people in the room and the achievements of those who made it possible. Because if you're not careful, right? You may be thinking, I spent a lot of time developing myself to make sure that I am 10 times more qualified than these guys. And you're going in there with that negative mindset that even though I've done all of that, I know that they're gonna look at me in a different way because I am black and I'm a woman and all of that. If you're not careful, this mindset and this attitude will cause you to discredit and disregard what they have done because they may have done some things too to get to that room and to earn, to rightfully earn their seat at the table. So what if, they, what, if, what if they haven't done as much as you have done? That's a reality that we have faced time and time again, but do not discredit what they have done and the steps that they have made. More importantly, do not discredit or disregard those people who made the room possible in the first place. Yeah, so sometimes you have to really think outside of that box that you have created And the reality of it, because I'm not saying it's not real, it is very real. I hear the complaints every day and the frustration of people in different minority groups feeling like they've done so much and still don't feel like they belong. But you have to start believing that you belong and then let them believe what you believe. You understand? Because sometimes you are your, your own worst enemy because now you have done talk about this thing so many times and to the point where it's now ingrained in your subconscious that you approach every situation believing that I am approaching this at a disadvantage because of how I'm perceived for my, my, my skin color, my race, the way I speak, etc. When When you may well be in a room of white men who are looking forward to hearing from you It's not always a case whereby because you work 10 times as hard when you get into that room, finally, it's just these men waiting to jump on you and say that you don't belong. It could be that they actually admire you for doing it and and, and want to hear from you and glean from you. So I guess what I'm saying is don't have a, a fixed mindset about it but have a growth mindset about it because sometimes it is in these situations that you have to make that decision on the spot that, you know what, I'm going to stop trying to get around these tables. I'm going to step out there and I'm going to create my own table so I can invite who I want to that table.
0: Such good advice. I have one final question as we, as we come to the end of this podcast. Uh, Is it your responsibility to bring others to the room with you? Wow, great question.
1: Well, I think that depends. You know, you asked me if it's your responsibility to bring others to the room with you. And I would have to say that there are instances when yes, it is your responsibility. And I, I can go back to where I said that the information that you have, right? that you have garnered, the schooling that you have acquired over these years, make no mistake about it. It is not for you. (laughs) You don't gain knowledge so that you can have one up on the person beside you to say, oh, I'm smarter. I know more than you do. So what? (laughs) Who cares? You understand? We came here to serve other people. We came here to invest in other people. And so once you realize that, then you will also recognize that sometimes when you get invited to rooms, it is not enough that you are there, but sometimes you have to mobilize a cohort of people and take them with you so that they can either one be there to support you. Sometimes you don't need support in these rooms of vultures or people who are ready to pounce on you Mm -hmm. or two, so that they can benefit from what you're benefiting from because a room allows for you to take other people in there. Or three, you take other people in the room with you because you want to show that you're not selfish. You're not just taking everything that is there for yourself, but you want other people to get an opportunity or to see how these rooms operate. But then the other side of it is that when you answer the question of whether or not it's your responsibility to take other people in the room, sometimes a room doesn't allow for other people. You understand? So maybe you cannot physically take other people in the room But there are other ways to take them in the room by gleaning as much as you can from those rooms, from those situations, from those learning opportunities, and then taking that back to those people and sharing it with them. That's another way for taking them in the room without physically taking them there. The bottom line is if your mindset is always to add value and to help other people to develop themselves then you will find innovative ways to take other people in the room with you, even when it's only you alone who can physically be in those spaces.
0: Ah, there you have it, everyone. My networkers out there, there you have it. Your presence in the room. Uh, Do you have any final words, uh, Shana Kaye, for for our networkers that are listening? One final advice uh, to give to them?
1: One final advice that I can give is really, I would say to reinforce something that we have said before and that is recognizing the fact that you can learn in every space and you can learn in every room. So it may not be the ideal room that you aspire to be in, but do not be so myopic in your view and your vision that you discount certain situations because you don't see them as learning opportunities or spheres in which you can learn. Open your mind to understanding that you you are able to learn in every room and in every space and that you should not readily discount or discredit something because it does not
0: look like the, the aspiration that you have. Great, great advice, great advice. I wanna thank Miss Shauna K. Brown today for taking the time to talk to us about rooms. It was such a great, such an insightful and informative conversation. And we will definitely have her back again. Don't you worry. Um, I just want to end as we always end with a quote. And my quote today is from Michelle Obama. And she says, success isn't about how much money you make. It's about the difference you make in people's lives. So let's, let's go about trying, let's go about with a focus of creating an impact and, and making a difference in people's lives. Because when you make a difference in someone's life, that is way, way better than, way better than money. So let's let's remember that. Remember if you love this podcast, if you like listening to this podcast, to support this podcast, give a monthly monetary donation of supporting this podcast. I will be putting Shauna Kay's information in the podcast notes. So if you want to contact her, if you want to talk to her, or if you even want to solicit her services, all of her information will be in the podcast notes. I want to thank everyone for listening today and hope you have a very productive and wonderful Monday and have a wonderful week. Thank you so much. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you.